Incredible Pauline McCabe from Rock Paper Scissors and WA and Fremantle. So welcome, Pauline. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. It's really great to be invited on um, to your new podcast, Cutting Through the Noise. Um, I'm so excited to um, listen into all the other guests and to chat with you today. I think. Um, I'm particularly keen to chat about your career path because it's pretty different to most people. And I think if more young people kind of knew the trajectory that you've been on over the course of your career, they would be far more inspired to just see, I guess, the multiple avenues that hairdressing can take anyone. So can you give us a bit of a a full career overview? Like, obviously, I already know a lot of your story, but... um, I love, I'd love to hear more. I'd love to share that story with everyone. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. Um, well, I started, um, I'd always been interested in art and creativity. And um, I did think that I'd go to art school. Um, when I left school, I did a brief course in graphic design um, as a means of, of uh, fast tracking to art school. Um, second year but I had started making jewellery at that time and I was selling it to my friends in the, the clubs and uh, they were all hairdressers and you know just always the coolest people that you, you knew with all the amazing clothes on and um, and I thought that looks like a fun thing to do and, and they said to me look I think you'd, you'd make a great hairdresser you should be a hairdresser. And they all worked for uh, big Scottish salons like the Rainbow Room and Rusk and, um, and all of that. And they were all members of creative teams. So I decided to go to Rusk um, headquarters in Hamilton Hill, which was miles away from where I lived, and I speak to the art director there. They didn't need anyone, but I talked them into giving me a trial and I went and did a trial and he offered me the job so that was brilliant I kind of watched my my way in there um just by you know yeah they, they saw my enthusiasm and I and I decided very early on if I was going to do it I was going to work for the very best otherwise I wasn't going to do it I was going to go to the very best in Scotland which was Rust they were British hairdressers of the year they were Scottish hairdressers of the year many times and they were really incredible they were already travelling the world as educators they had their own product line and scissors so I knew it was a really big well-established company um, with lots of avenues so I joined them and very quickly I was taken on and mentored by the art director there, um, Louise Rogers at that time. And um, I started working my way through the company really quickly because I was creative and I knew what I wanted to do. Um, So I started taking to work on shows in London 
with with Rita and the Rush Creative team. When I was like 19, I was working down in London and working for a kind of show and um, all the big shows that we did. And um, I, Rusk really showed me the ropes and, and taught me how to, to fly from them. Um, I knew that there were so many different places that you could go in hairdressing really early on. And I'm so grateful to them for that. They were uh, very worldly and they taught us all about all the designers. They were really into modernism and the, the Bauhaus. Um, as was Sassoon. Um, they'd all gone down and trained with Sassoon, so it was very um, Sassoon technique that we were working on. And there were also real leaders in avant-garde hairdressing, so it was a time of incredible experimentalism in, in hairdressing. Um, you know, the, the turn of modernism, and as I said, the Japanese designers. So they all wore Azumiyaki and Comme de Garçon and um, Donna Karan and the American modernists when they started to Norma Kamali. So not only did we get education in hairdressing, um, which was Sassoon based, we also got an education on design, aesthetics, culture, music, and all of those things because they surrounded us in it. And I think that that's really, really important as far as the culture that they established. We were called the Ruskies. And, um, you know, we all wore these white kind of modernist karate outfits. <laughs> and everything that they did had a great sense of style and um, class about it. They were, they were very refined. Um, and I absolutely loved that. And really, they were so inspirational. So um, I started working for them as their art team, started to travel. And then we started, um, you know, at the time I was 19, 20, we were going over to Barcelona to do shows on stage for thousands of people for Lingueris and people like that. And I realised very quickly that I loved to be on these big stages and educating. I loved the whole creative process of that. And I love the butterflies that you got before going on stage. And then the feeling of, of doing a, a brilliant show and um, the inspiration of that. So I, I was involved in all of that really early in my career. And I guess I realized how, how high you can go. You can be on the art team, you can be a creative director, you can be involved in product development which we all were for Rusk. We all tested the products and gave feedback and were involved in all of those things and the, the scissors. And um, when I was 21, Rusk split up the UK and the product company and Rita took over the UK side of the salons and, and that side of the business and Irvin went over to, to take the company to America and he took me with him. So there was Irvin Rusk, uh, Louise Rogers, the creative director, and myself as creative team director. So that was at 21 years old. So very early I took on those kind of uh, roles and we travelled around America and Canada. Um, at that time, 
developing the brand and uh, working with distributors and uh, building teams across America and Canada who could support the growth of the company. So that was very exciting to be part of that. Um, the development of Rusk in its early stages across America and Canada. And, um, and then we um, were over at Cosmoprov starting to develop the product company in Europe. So I was part of that with our distributor um, at Cosmoprov and in Italy. Um, so from there on, uh, I worked for Rusk until I was 24. And I came to a point where I really missed home and I missed being back in the UK. And um, it's a lot being on the road all the time. It's an incredible experience and it was brilliant being part of building that brand and so much respect and love for Rusk and what they've given me the whole way through. Um, like I, I think at the, at the beginning of this conversation, you brought up the point which is really important how do we bring in young people into our industry and show them all of the possibilities of where you can go with this incredible career? And, um, you know, because I've worked across so many aspects, because I'm old, um, you know, I've, I've had that opportunity and I've always taken the opportunities and jumped in even when I've felt scared. Um, I think it's a great thing for young people to know. Yeah, you can be in the salon build, building an amazing clientele and developing that and being an A player in the salon. You can go on to manage the salon, be creative team. You can get into education and um, starting off with educating your team and going on to educate for companies or for, even for your own brand, which is the way that education is really happening, bespoke education and individual educators. Um, you can go into product development and design, you can uh, you can go to work in film, you can work backstage, you can work, there's just, there's just so many possibilities. So from um, when I left Rusk, I had actually been headhunted by Trevor Sorby, who was over in LA, which was where I was based at that time. And he was, um, his brand, Sorby, was under Redken at that time. Right. And I, uh, he contacted me to come and meet him. He'd come to see a show that I'd done down in Long Beach in California. And his art director for America had just left, Vivian McKinder. So she'd just left to, to do her own thing and there was a space open and he was looking for someone for that role. He came and was in the audience at a show that I was doing in Long Beach and, um, and then contacted me. And um, I really got on well with Trevor and I um, loved the idea of working with him in that role because you know he's an incredible icon in our industry. I um, so I joined his company to be the art director for America. About pretty quickly in a conversation, at the same time as we were discussing, the art director in London, who was also a friend of mine, left for another role. And so Trevor asked me to come back to London, which I did. 
So I came back to London to the flagship salon in Covent Garden to join Trevor and be art director there. So I worked closely with Trevor for years. Um, it's his first-hand women. We worked together on, he, he taught me so much about wigs and pieces and shows and, and all of that stuff. He's an amazing person, amazing uh, creative mind to work with. So I loved working with him. And I, my responsibility there was to build the creative team um, for Sorby. And so I worked with, at that time, Antoinette Binders was in the team and um, Sally Brooks and Jamie were there on the team and John Chapman, who does all the big celebs in London. So we had this real incredible melting point pot of talent there. And it was amazing working with all those guys. We did lots of great shows and um, education and just developing that part of the company. And one of my best friends owned a salon there um, on the King's Road in London. And she wanted to take over the shop next door, was looking for a business partner and develop that company. So at that point, I decided to go out on my own um, in a business partnership, and that was called McGregor McLaughlin. So that was the first time that I'd actually moved into owning my own salon. I'd always been um, worked for big brands and companies, and um, yeah, so I opened up my own salon, and I was the creative part of that partnership. It was a really successful salon just up from uh, Vivian Westwood on the King's Road and with yeah. loads of celebrities and you know Robbie Williams came there and The Cure came there and it was very successful and amazing place. It was really moving and shaking in London and I loved that and I loved building that amazing salon but just before I turned 30, we were doing a lot of education and I was really building my portfolio with mm. editorial work while I was doing, um, doing a lot of stuff with hairdressers journal and aesthetica and all of that. I'd, it was an Aveda salon because I'd been introduced to Aveda while I was in America and I loved their products and their ethics and I really loved Horse who was uh, you know, behind the company. It was his his whole, and he started, we were Aveda, we were the first Aveda Aesthetic in London. We had to contact America to get the brand in. And then at the same time, uh, the Aveda huge Aesthetic opened up in Knightsbridge, which was um, George and Ruby Hammer, the celebrity makeup artist. So they're absolutely brilliant. So I worked with them when I you know, opened the salon and started doing education for Aveda and came over and worked with hosts at the Aveda Aesthetic in Minneapolis. And um, he's just such an inspiring, brilliant person. I absolutely love, loved Horst and, and what he created. So I've been really lucky across my career to work with some of the most incredible visionaries in our industry. Um, work alongside them and for them and with them. Um, and actually, I think it was speaking to Horst that, that kind of sent me on this trajectory because he's a very spiritual 
person and yeah. you know, to holistic medicine and the the uh, Aveda Esthetique in Minneapolis is quite incredible and the people that are working there are working on really amazing ideas. Uh, it's been quite futuristic. Um, and I started to think about who I was and kind of going, I guess, it was 25 years ago, but I guess on an equally love type of journey. And I was kind of looking at my own uh, spirituality and who I was. And I kind of wanted that, to find that out apart from the art director, the salon, you know, as far as my career. Yeah. So I sold my half of the business and I used the money to buy my flat in, in London, in Ladbroke Grove, rent it out. Did you live in Ladbroke Grove? Yeah, just wow. off the Tabello. That is that quite is my of the road. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just absolutely, it's still, it's still home to me. I just always feel amazing when I'm there. And um, so I bought the flat there with the money from selling the business. Yeah. Um, and I bought a round the world ticket. So I just went off. I went off to India and spent a long time in India and Nepal and just backpacking and just on a bit of a journey. Um, just kind of finding how, out who I was without all of the attachments. Mm. Because London can be very like that. Or, you know, it's uh, what do you do? Not who are you? People yeah. ask you that first big city question. And I kind of wanted to find out who I was without um, quantifying it with what I did. So and it's, it's just all part of your own individual story that makes you who you are, you know, as you're kind of going along your journey. So that was an amazing experience. I spent time in Indonesia, Thailand, India, and all of those places, um, just traveling and um, trying to find out who I was without all that stuff. And then I came around Australia, and I spent almost a year traveling around Australia. And at the end of it, I came to see a, a girl who'd managed my salon in London and another team member who owns a salon here now, the both salon owners, which is great. I love to see people that I've mentored or taken from juniors and, and team to seeing these people that own the businesses all over. Mm. I've got I've got people that work for me in London or in uh, and they're all like salon owners or educators and it's such a great feeling. It's like your your flowers have blossomed, you know, it's it's an amazing feeling. Um to seem that you've had some small part in that growth, you know, or maybe somehow influenced them or mentored them. That's that's such a brilliant feeling. Anyway, I came to visit um, my old manager who'd opened up a salon here. And um, at the same time, the people who were renting my flat in London had started to, uh, had decided to squat. So I was like, in London, the squatters, right? So I was like, yeah. I need to work, I need to do something. So they contacted the company here who took me on as art director. And my job here was to work with their 180 uh, staff and develop quality control over those that team 
um, with each salon and manager, look with the, the quality issues were in the business and to um, develop and train um, those individual team members and uh, company, as well as developing the campaigns for spring, summer, autumn, winter for uh, big billboards and uh, TV commercials. So I worked on all of that, developing all the new um, haircuts and working on the colourists and, and all of that, all the themes. Um, so that was great. I was contracting for three months at a time and then I'd go away and travel, I'd be off to South America. Or, um, and, and those journeys were really important for me as well as, part, as, as, as far as inspiration goes because I was going to places like Ibiza and Goa and um, for me a lot of those places are, are actually where all those like undercurrent and sub-trends start to really um, start, start to kind of come about it's like global travellers and uh, you know people that are over there that are you know, just developing those trends and building up those trends and they're just coming through. So those things are really, are really, really interesting to me. And um, as far as like trend forecasting and starting to see where like, it's almost like whispers in the wind of things that might be coming in a year or two years. Yeah. Little things that are just coming through. And I, I find that fascinating and I'm really interested in, in trend forecasting and and looking at that and picking that stuff up. So that was really interesting for me as far as knowing what was coming. Those gorgeous girls on the beach that have tie-dyed the ends of the hair or, you know, amazing, like, features, sun colours around their face or starting to be influenced, uh, probably be influenced through euphoria with the starting to paint this base up with graphic ideas and then it becomes a thing later on or the way that it goes or the music, all of those all of those little trends that are just coming through. So that was really exciting and a big part of my job and what I did for companies as far as like building their campaigns and the way things were going. Um, I, I ended up meeting my husband here and in Australia and settling down here, which I loved here in Perth, WA. Um, and I opened up my own salon. Um, I went back to study fine art when I was 40. And I was also doing, um, starting to build my own clientele and developing my own work again and um, doing some editorial work. So all those things were kind of going at the same time as they do. Um, and the salon just started to, at the beginning, I was part of a big kind of creative collective. It was a big industrial building and it had graphic designers in there and it had fashion designers and it had some street artists and it had the salon. Plus I had my studio there where I was able to work on my painting and my um, multimedia as part of my fine art yeah. um, degree. But the salon just got bigger and bigger and I needed to take on more people and then I needed a bigger space and um, and then we needed to move because we were just busting through the walls. So it's just grown organically and we've 
uh, the, the the salon rock paper scissors has grown organically, and now we've got sixteen in our team. We're down in South Demanto. It's a really big space, and it's absolutely jumping all the time. Um, at the same time, over the last uh, maybe eight years or, or longer, I've been developing my work backstage. So that kind of happened. I, I've been working editorially over here for many years, um, working for the Sunday Times magazine and on all sorts of campaigns with designers and um, yeah, I do a lot of that, probably once a week or once every couple of weeks, and especially when we were shooting for the Sunday Times. And I love working editorially, so that's a brilliant part of what I do and what my team do who work with me. Um, I started working backstage when James Pesses, who's an amazing hairdresser, and um, he works in all the big campaigns. Uh, I was talking to them, him, he'd set up a, a site, a collective, creative collective, and then I asked him, I'd love to come and work with you. So I started working with him in New York and then went on to Milan, London and Paris. So I was working the full season across all the big shows. Um, so I worked for, and then it went on from there to working with, a bit with Guido for Ralph Lauren and uh, uh, Boss. And and that's where I started working on people like Jihi Hadid and and it's amazing I remember getting a message it must have come through to me um while you were in Milan like only a couple of months ago and I think it was the uh Givenchy show and I was, I knew you were there yeah. I saw the Hadid sisters I could see Kanye and I was like it must just be crazy to be in the thick of all of that and I don't know many people that you know have that experience let alone be so humble about it uh, and you were like, oh, yeah, it was really cool, but we didn't take cameras backstage. You know, we wanted it. It was pretty chilled and private. So, um, yeah, can you tell me about that? Because I've been dying to know what that show would be like. <laughs> it's so exciting and such an amazing show to work on because it's an iconic um, brand with a, a real, like, you know, history and legacy, and it's it's amazing. So, um. I, it was in these incredible gardens and just the setting for these shows is just monumental. So, was it just outside um, of Paris? Yeah, yeah, it's just outside the Paris. So it's set in all these like incredible botanical gardens, which is just out of this world. So you go in, there's it's huge tents and security. Um, obviously, because of the, the level of the girls that are working on, some shows you, you can take social media. It's a little bit frowned upon because, you know, as Eugene says, um, he needs everyone, you need everyone to be doing the best work. And if you're on your phone, you're not doing your best work. Mm-hmm. You can get little snippets. So I try and get I try and get some footage of me setting up, you know, before every all the girls come in. So I'll do a bit of a setup if I can. Um, I'll do me packing my bags. I might get a little bit of um, 
backstage set up but once you're on you're, you're, you're just on like your, your phone needs to be away because you need to be so focused and tuned in and the energy is so high like everyone needs to be really on their absolute A game and, and listening and focusing 100% on what they're doing at that level um, so you know there's always a few of you you working um the, the girls start coming in. I was working with the guy, um, Scottish hairdresser Tosh, who's part of course team um with Duffy, who's the lead here on those shows. And I absolutely love Duffy and I love working for him. I love his aesthetic and I love who he is as a person. He's just absolutely brilliant. And his core team that travel with him are absolutely brilliant as well. And a few Scottish guys on there who I really love, but they're all amazing. And I've worked with them on different shows. Like I probably did my first show with Duffy. It was um, in New York and it was um, Vera Wang. And that was the first time I met them. And then, you know, every time that you do a show, Rick Owens or that, you, you, you meet the team again, which is really nice because then it feels, it feels great, you know, you know, those guys. Um, so I ended up working with Tosh on JJ uh, Hadid, uh, sorry, on Bella Hadid, and she's just really, really nice. They're lovely. They're just lovely young girls. They, they're super sweet and really nice, and they're doing what they do. They're, they're professionals. They're all professionals. And they just make your job really easy. I mean, a lot of the time they're sitting listening to music or reading a book or you, you kind of have a bit of a chat. But we're so focused on what we're doing. To be honest, there's not much talking going on because you're yeah. just like 100% zeroed in on, on what you're doing. And they're absolute professionals. They're all, they're all great girls. Um, you were to do one of the... On the energy. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. I think you would have to be one of the only Australian hairdressers that gets to work with um, models and celebrities of that calibre. Um, and I can't imagine dealing with that because I, I would just be way too starstruck to move forward. And I remember um, a couple of years ago, I think Florence and the and the Machine were out on tour and I saw that you were looking after Florence and I was like, yes. wow, that's so cool. Yes. Yes, I, that was amazing because I absolutely love Florence and I've loved her music forever. So when I got the email to if I would come and do her hair for the two while she was here, I was like, oh my God, amazing. Yes, I'm on. It's so exciting, you know, when you come through the back, there's a bit of dialogue going on between her PA and me and I got a message to say, you know, Florence is actually really shy. She doesn't speak a lot. She's not being rude. She'll probably do a bit of meditation before you come in um, when I let you guys through. And then she'll probably just have a podcast in or she'll be doing a bit of meditation while you're doing her hair or just reading. That's how she gets herself ready for the show. So, you know, don't think that she's been rude. And I'm like, fine, I probably won't be able to speak anyway. I'll be so... I'll be feeling so shy. Um, so I we we had to wait um wait a minute because she was doing some meditation before we we came in and then we came in. She's just 
gorgeous. She'd on this like long vintage silk dressing gown and then she had this row of Gucci dresses, stage dresses that Alessandro Michele had made specifically for her because they had her name in the um, tag with him. So everything wow. was like handmade bespoke for her. And then she'd be like, her dressing room had these like vintage um, kind of screen and, you know, a gorgeous dictate candle. It was so Florence and just gorgeous. She's got this very gentle, soft energy. And she just said to me, hi, I'm Florence. And I was like, hi, I'm Pauline. It's really nice to meet you. Like, oh God. And then I, you know, I just, I just got to saying, you know, what can I do for you? And just soft and natural. And I know her signature work. And I just went ahead and, and did it. And at one point she just kind of took off her pod and looked at the mirror and said, I love it. And I was like, oh, you know, the relief. Oh, the she relief. It. I, I, just, I, I just did this really lovely, like soft kind of, I love it. And I was like, yes. And then we, we had a bit of a chat because I'd kind of done and um, the makeup artist actually said to um, both our daughters, love you could we get a signature a photo and and she said actually um i've got these beautiful i've got these books that I've, I've designed and drawn so she got her PA to go and get the books and she asked me what what my daughter's name was and she wrote her a message and um she was telling me that i said oh you know my daughter is actually dyslexic and she learned the alphabet through singing, because you know it's a different part of the day. And she said, I've got dyslexia too, that's how I. So she wrote her a little message and said, you know, just, just you can do anything that you want. And it was really, she's just absolutely beautiful. And it was so nice to give that to me from uh, Florence the next day and say, actually Florence told me that she's got dyslexia and she gave you this message. It was a real like, you know, it really made me cry, actually. Yeah. She's such a beautiful person. Yeah. And, oh. uh, that was that was great. So I hope to I get to work with her again. I think, you know, they always say at the shows and everything, like no fanning. Like you have to be you have to just be cool and just, just go in and do your job and just and almost like forget about you know who it is because otherwise you'd get nervous and you wouldn't be able to you know really perform so it's a, it's a, it's a real like head thing yeah. it's just like oh, yeah I'm just doing it I'm going to be cool I'm not <laughs> going to get phased I've got so many more questions that I want to ask you but I know that we're running out of time so I'm going to I'm going to call this Pauline part one and then come back and make another time to chat to you because yeah. you've got so much more that um, I know that you can share. And we could we could talk about stuff for ages. And I think what I'd love to chat to you that next time is actually your leadership style because it's been really inspiring to watch just how you break down your team communication. And I guess the approach that you have, you're so incredibly patient and so kind. And 
I think that as a leadership tool is not something that has been classically, you know, a part of how, how we lead. So mm-hmm. I'm going to bookmark that one for our next chat. Mm-hmm. But thank you so, so much for having this conversation. It's been such a pleasure, Pauline. Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I can't wait to chat with you again. I'd Let's love do to it. talk about all those things. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. Thank you so much Pauline. for having me on today. Absolute pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye.